Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. The Screen the Screener College Basketball Team Preview Series rolls on where today we take a trip to the Big Ten to talk Michigan State Spartans basketball. I'm Mike Randall with you. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. You can follow our podcast with my illustrious partner Gus Kearns at SDS Podcast on Twitter. And today, folks, we have a real special guest Chris Solari from the Detroit Free Press, who breaks down the entire Michigan State Spartans team and what a team it's going to be this year, folks. They are my number one on the rankings. If you want to check those out, feel free to go to www.randallrant.com. Go to our Screen the Screener page, and we also have NCA rankings. I have a top 25. My partner Gus has a top 32, and we're getting ready for the college basketball season to tip off this Friday. But today, it's all about Michigan State. It's about the return of Miles Bridges. It's about this incredible sophomore class with Cassius Winston, Joshua Langford, and Nick Ward, all led by the maestro Tom Izzo. He's got a deep team. He has probably the best and most talented team he's ever had entering the season up in East Lansing, and he also brings in five-star freshman recruit Jaron Jackson to the fold. Michigan State is by far and away the favorite in the Big Ten. They are a favorite not only for the Big Ten, but to make a Final Four and maybe even be the national champion. Chris Solari is going to talk to us today. He's going to go over last year's incredible team, what makes Tom Izzo so good, what we can expect out of this Michigan State team, what we can expect out of Jaron Jackson, and where he sees this team finishing up not only in the conference, but on the national landscape in the NCAA tournament as well. So Chris Solari, Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Solari. He's going to join us right now and talk about all things Michigan State Spartans. The Screen the Screener team preview series rolls on here with Michigan State basketball beat reporter Chris Solari. Chris writes for the Detroit Free Press, and you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Solari. He joins us today to preview the Michigan State Spartans' upcoming college basketball season. Chris, thanks so much for a few minutes. How you doing? Glad I could help, Mike. And uh, it's good to see that the Big Ten presence in the uh, metropolitan New York area is really taking foot. That's uh I know Jim Delaney wanted to see that, and it's good to hear that, that college basketball has a presence out there uh, from the Midwest to there. Oh, Chris, if you want a presence, this is the right podcast for you. I want to take you back to last November 11th. I sat down to enjoy that Michigan State-Arizona game. I got my first chance to see Miles Bridges play at the college level. Chris, the three-quarter court alley-oop for his first uh, bucket, then the three-pointer from the corner, the baseline slam. I have been mesmerized by what this kid has done. I said last season I thought he should have been the number one overall pick if he declared last year. Now he's back. He's back as a sophomore at Michigan State. I think he's the best player in the country, period. Tell us about Miles Bridges, and was it a little shocking that he returned to East Lansing, or do you start to get a sense along the way that he was coming back? You know, I probably got a sense around January that it, it wasn't a done deal, if that makes any sense. It wasn't something that – and I still thought, the lure of the NBA would be too much. The lure of being a lottery pick would be too much. And, and you know, I mean, I know that his mom was, was very big on him going. But there were only three people who were going to make that decision. It was Miles Bridges, Tom Izzo, and, and Cynthia Bridges, his mom. And so you kind of blocked out a little bit of that outside noise. And I think what you found throughout the process is this is what Miles Bridges wanted. He wanted to come back. He, he, he's one of those guys that actually believes in legacy. And, and I think part of that comes from being in Flint. And, and seeing what Mateen Cleese and Morris Peterson and Antonio Smith and, and those guys build at Michigan State in the late 90s, um, you know, kind of growing up in that environment. 
And I think also he, he understands that, uh, you know, he's not ready mentally, I, I think, for the, the NBA. And I don't say that from a basketball standpoint. I say that from a real-life standpoint. And this is a kid who has a really good head on his shoulders. He's surprisingly humble. Um, and the talent is, is sky's the limit. I mean, there's no question. I mean, this is a kid that's working on his game feverishly. Uh, he did that in the offseason. Uh, they're going to move him from the four to the three this year. Uh, so he needed to work on his ball handling, needed to work on his ability to defend the threes uh, on the other end of the court. And it's a guy that likes to work. So I think when you put all that together into a package, you, you see he's a special player. And really, I think Michigan State fans felt that as well. Um, and I think they felt the love and he felt the love from them. And I don't think that 20 and 15 season last year was how he wanted things to end. They got a good group of sophomores. They're very close knit. He loves Tum Tum Nairn, the senior point guard, and I think he just liked being a college kid. And I don't blame him. Would you blame the kid? I mean, he's the, he's probably the number one player in the country right now at the college level, and yeah, that's just from coming back a year. You know, you talked about the mental aspect, and we've interviewed a lot of great reporters across the country and debated this with them. I don't think it's as simple as if you have the talent to go, you go. There is a mental aspect. You're an 18-year-old kid. You're now with adults. You're traveling city to city. This kid's going to be a high draft pick. This kid's going to make a lot of money in the NBA. I think that mental aspect is very underrated, and I agree. To see him come back, I was so excited, and I think you hit a real important point there. Yeah, and I think another thing that kind of gets lost in this is this is a kid who went away for high school, and I think a lot of kids do. Uh, but he has a really close relationship with his mom. And, you know, being back home was something that he wanted to do for his senior year of high school. And his mom wanted to keep him away from Flint and the, the unsavory elements there. And, and it's a very high crime area. She wanted to keep him moving on the right path. I mean, the kid's got a very good upbringing. And I think he's got a, a, like I said, a grounded approach to life. But I think being back in his home state uh, for the first time, really, since his freshman year of high school, I think that played a big factor in that decision as well. He likes being near his family. He likes being able to see his family on the regular. And when you get in the NBA, and, and he heard this from Denzel Valentine, he heard this from Draymond Green, and every one of Michigan State's guys, Gary Harris, um, they all told him it's a business. And you're living hotel to hotel, week to week. Sometimes you don't even know what city you're in. Uh, I don't think he was he was comfortable with that just yet. We'll get to the other players in a minute, but it all starts and ends with head coach Tom Izzo. It's his 24th season he's entering at Michigan State. Chris, he's a Hall of Famer. He's a legendary coach, and I think he may have the best team he's ever had entering a season. Talk to us about Coach Izzo, and for us on the East Coast who may not know the ins and outs, what makes him tick? What makes him so great year in, year out? Well, I think when we talk about Miles Bridges and the drive that he has as a player, um, that kind of epitomizes Tom Izzo as a coach and his program. I mean, he's a guy that came up, he played Division II basketball in northern Michigan, got his start as a, a high school coach, and then quickly went into the graduate assistant route, ends up at Michigan State, and he's been here since since the early 1980s. And he left briefly for Tulsa and realized that this was his spot where he wanted to be when Judd Heathcote had an opening back in, I think, 86 or 87. He came right back less than six months later. So that kind of tells you a little bit about what he feels about Michigan State. And they gave him the chance, and he's been a grinder. I mean, I think that's probably the best way. The first couple of years here, uh, 95, 96, and 96, 97, weren't the greatest years, but he built the recruiting classes. He got Mateen Cleese. He got Antonio Smith first um, and Morris Peterson out of Flint. And then you started to see more players in the state coming to play for him because he's a demanding coach. He's a guy that 
that tries to drive the best out of you. He likes to push players to the brink and and really get inside their heads to to drive them uh, with the same desire and, and passion he has for the game. I mean, a guy like Draymond Green, you know, he came in as a, a four-star recruit, but what made that click was the fact that those two guys are basketball junkies. And Izzo, you know, if he could watch film all day, every day, I think he would. But I think he also loves the X's and O's. He loves the hands-on coaching. Uh, and I think that's what makes him such a good coach. And I think he, he, you know, you see the guys that he's pushed onto that next level. I mean, the, the guys like Denzel Valentine, the guys like Gary Harris, Jason Richardson in the past, um, you know, Zach Randolph, all these guys, they come back to this program uh, and they try to give back and they try to spend as much time around the players that are here now because of Coach Izzo and because of what Izzo taught them and what he means to them. Um, and that's a special thing in this day and age of, of coaches moving around every couple of years. Um, this is a guy that's been rooted and grounded in, in mid-Michigan now for for more than 30 years, and, and he calls it home. And, and I think that kind of when – when coaches talk about having a family atmosphere and making something feel like home, that goes a long way to it when you have someone who's been there for that long. It makes total sense. And now let's turn our attention to the other players. Uh, Spartans this year are talented and they're deep. Let's start with the returning players. This sophomore class is incredible. You have guards Joshua Langford, Cassius Winston, and power forward Nick Ward. They're all expected, I think, to start and to play big minutes. Izzo loves these guys. He recently said that Langford's going to be a pro guard, no question about it. He's called Winston in the past the best Michigan State passer since Magic Johnson. And then Nick Ward really improved as a big man over the year last year. So talk about these three sophomores and how good they could be this year. Well, I think it starts with Cassius Winston because he's going to move into that starting role at point guard. And I think the, what he does and what he brings to this offense in terms of outside shooting, um, his pace with the ball, he, he's got a different syncopation when you see the guy with the ball in his hands. He's he's not uh, – one thing with Tum Tum there, and he's a north and south point guard, and I think Tom has had a lot of those. Cassius Winston is, is kind of like a jazz musician or, or, or a great hip-hop freestyler. I mean, he – really plays at his own little pace with the ball and, you know, gives that little hesitation dribble, can have a pull-up jump shot, can get to the rim, and loves to create for his other guys. I think Nick Ward last year, you saw him develop. Uh, you know, it was an odd year for Michigan State because they really didn't have any big men. And, and I think had they have not had the injuries, maybe Nick Ward would have redshirted. But you're talking about a guy who from day one to the end of last season grew probably more than – any player Tom Izzo has had. And I, he's reshaped his body. He became, I mean, you look at him now compared to when he got on campus, he's probably about 40 pounds down and, and turned it into muscle. Um, he, he's got a soft touch around the rim, can catch the ball really well, an aggressive rebounder on the offensive glass. Got to work on it a little bit more on the defensive side, I think, um, as well as, as his post-up defense. I think that's something last year that he didn't get a chance to work on because they had to essentially play an Olay defense with him because they were so thin in the post they could not afford to get Nick Ward in foul trouble. But this year they're trying to get that aggressive mindset in him to, to be a little bit more of a physical factor and force like is those big men in the past. And when you talk about Joshua Langford, and this is a McDonald's All-American kid, didn't play in a very good area in terms of, of basketball talent in Alabama, but he was far and away the best player that they ever have seen in that state, maybe. Um, a guy that can play in almost like an old man's game. I, I talked to him last year. and You know, Miles Bridges compared Langford's game to Kobe Bryant's, and, and uh, Langford compared 
Bridges game to LeBron James. So uh, I think what, what Langford brings, he's an outside shooter. He can hit from deep. He can create his own shots off the dribble. He's not afraid to take mid-range jumpers, uh, and he can still get to the rim. He was hampered by a, a hamstring injury last year that really the first half or, and three-quarters of the year kind of set him back and had him not necessarily jumping out of the gym, but you started to see it a little bit more towards the end of the year. And I think over the summer and the early part of this season, you're starting to see him with a little more takeoff and a little bit more of a quick first step uh, off the dribble. So I think that, you know, you talk about those, that is his best recruiting class that he ever had. And, you know, you, you roll those guys all together and put bridges on top of it. That's a special group of guys. It sure is, and and part of the reason that they're they're deep is not just that they're, they're these sort of quote unquote newcomers this year, right? Like senior Gavin Schilling, who started for the 2015 Final Four team, he missed last year with a knee injury. Ben Carter is a six-year grad transfer from UNLV, and then they have the great role players: Kenny Goins, outside shooter Matt McQuaid, and you mentioned already earlier Tom Tom Nairn, who's a great leader. This may be the deepest bench in all of college basketball, Chris. No. It's pretty close to it if it isn't. Um, you know, I think there are probably a couple other programs like Duke and maybe in Arizona where you can sit there and, and, and compare them. But when you look at the, the, the sum of all the parts, I, I think Izzo's got his most complete team, um, from one to 11. Uh, they lost Matt, or excuse me, Kyle Arns, uh, who was expected to back up Bridges at the three and probably would have got maybe like six to eight minutes a game. Uh, so they're going to search a little bit to find uh, a guy behind Bridges so he's not playing all 40. Uh, but, but Schilling and Carter are interesting cases. I mean, they go from a team last year that, that basically had Bridges and Ward and nobody else above six, seven to bringing in those two guys at six, nine, um, with experience. And Carter's going to be a, a real interesting guy to watch because he can pick and pop. Uh, Schilling is less of an offensive force, but more of a, a on the ball defender. Uh, Izzo has called him his best. Uh, defender maybe ever at the balls, high ball screens. And that's an area where they struggled last year. McQuaid can hit from outside goings. You know, he played out of position at center at six, six last year. So they're going to slide him back as kind of the backup role at the four now. Um, and he's added a little bit of range to his shot. So that, that gives them another I, I, I ability to shoot from deep. And McQuaid is the guy that they really need to get McQuaid going. He's a junior now. He's an outside threat and. You know, he's lanky and lean, but he's also kind of a bulldog on defense. Um, so they do have a lot of components in those veterans that are coming back. Yeah, and of course, we got to talk now about the incoming kids. We talk about freshman 6'11", five-star forward Jaron Jackson. He's a stretch four. He's got a seven-foot-four wingspan. He can shoot. He can dribble. Uh, he's got the whole package. Talk about Jackson, his impact. Do you think he's going to start? How does he mesh with this team, with, with this loaded and, and deep class? Well, I think if you let's go back a couple of years to where Tom Izzo had the team in the back-to-back Final Fours in, in 2009 and 2010. They came out of that year, the next year, and we're having a lot of chemistry issues. I, I think that when Draymond Green came in, he ruffled some of the veterans' feathers because uh, he has a tendency to do that. He has a tendency to do yeah, that. Yeah, he, he was a tour de force <laughs> of personality, to put, put it lightly. Um, and. At that point, I think Tom Izzo kind of took a concerted effort to focus a little bit more on team chemistry. And Jaron Jackson, when he came in here, has fit in with this group. I mean, he could have been in that class last year. They're so close. He's kind of a, a talker and a fun guy. I mean, he, he you know, guys were, were really surprised at, at how, uh, how funny he was, how, how, uh, just personable he is. And 
how aggressive he is on the court. I mean, this is a six eleven kid that can stretch the defense. I mean, he's a he's a legitimate uh, four with range. And you know, talking to him the other day, he he knows that he's got to make his money inside, uh, but he wants to show that he's got that range. And that's something that they lacked last year with with being undersized. They didn't really have that stretch four uh, like Jackson. But he gets to the boards too. He crashes it. Got long arms. Um, you know, he had eight blocks in his debut against Ferris State, which is a Division II school, but they had a 6'10 post player, pretty good. So he, he struggled a little bit against Georgia in their second exhibition game, in the charity game, uh, but he did start that game. And he's going to have to learn how to, to defend at this level, which I think is going to be it's usually always the biggest factor of whether or not a guy is going to start and how long they're going to play in Tom Izzo's system. If you can defend um, and, and keep yourself on the court, um, that I think Jackson would be the, the logical choice at the, at the four and Ward at the five, Bridges at the three, Langford at the two, and, and, and Winston running the show. Chris, let's look at the schedule now. Loaded non-conference as usual. State Farm Champions Classic in Chicago. Uh, you got Duke, then of course Kansas and Kentucky are there as well. I mean, that, that's as big a four as you're going to find. Then of course the PK80 battle. 16 teams. Two champions, two brackets there. Michigan State plays DePaul. They could face the winner of Oregon-Connecticut round two. Uh, this schedule is going to be a lot of fun, Chris, for for Spartan fans. Want no love for North Florida in the opener? Uh, sure. Double th- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You got to wonder about a team like North Florida coming in and, and seeing these <laughs> high rankings at number two in this deep and loaded bench, and boy, how are they going to survive it? But Chris, they, they, Chris, be they better match. protect their neck with Miles Bridges in that first game. That's all I oh. got to say. Yeah, they may be they may be looking for those extra baskets by the end of that game. But I'll tell you this much though, um, Tom Izzo has never shot. I mean, his big mantra ever since he got here and he took over for Judd Heathcote was anytime, any place, anywhere, anyone. And I mean, you've seen that over the years. This schedule is probably it's funny you say all those things and it's still lighter than last year's schedule. I mean, they played Kentucky at the Garden last year. Sure, uh, yeah. they played Duke at Cameron last year. They were in a they, they had this gauntlet travel schedule last year that was just ridiculous. They opened that, that game you talked about in Arizona. Yeah, Chris, he came out. Didn't Izzo come out and say at some point there along the way? I mean, this may have been coach speak. He was saying, maybe I made a mistake with too much too early. I remember he talked about that a little. He did, and especially with such a young group. But he also expected to have Deontay Davis back, which didn't really help when you when you lose two of your big men in the, big, in the preseason. But, but that said – um, I think that that's – you talk about that schedule last year. You finished 20-15, and 15, lost to Kansas in the second round. But that set them up for this year. They know who they have to beat. They know that, that the games with, with Notre Dame and Duke and these high-profile tournaments, they might get North Carolina out and Portland in that tournament as well uh, if they make it all make it through the, the right way and right size at the championship game of their bracket. That's just Tom Izzo's ethos. And, I mean, with the Big Ten season starting in December this year, and that's going to be an interesting little test case to see how this team dealt, deals with that because I think they got a game against Rutgers early in the year at Rutgers then um, another home game uh, in December in Big Ten play before they go back in a non-conference schedule. Oakland, kind of, I wouldn't sleep on Oakland there. That's probably Oakland's best team that Greg Campy has. So this is what Tom Izzo does, though. I mean, he builds these teams – to, to compete in March, and they're built in November and December for these tough schedules. I mean, that game, you know, you look at the Champions Classic, and everybody, and I don't blame anybody and everybody for looking at that game. That's game two for Michigan State, but it's game one in everybody's mind because there's a good chance that's going to be number one versus number two, and 
all the other game in that might be uh, three against four with Kansas and Kentucky. So, I mean, that's going to be a whale of a, of a couple days in, or a day in Chicago uh, with that. But that's going to be where Michigan State sees where they're at because they know that Duke is, is ahead of them in the polls. They, they see the Harry Giles. They, they saw those guys last year down at Cameron. They know all about Grayson Allen. Um, how are they going to respond now on a neutral court uh, to a team that they were competing with last year as a young group before Duke had like maybe a three-minute stretch where they kind of pulled away um, at Cameron. So I, this is what Tom Izzo does, though. This is how Tom Izzo makes those final four runs. He builds them in, in November and December with these kind of challenging schedules. Chris, one more and then we'll get you out of here. We can't thank you enough for a few minutes. It's prediction time. Now, keep in mind you're talking to someone who on our website has Michigan State as the number one team in the country. So you, you can go for it here. Bridges, Jackson, Izzo, Spartan Nation, Big Ten favorites. What do you think? What do you think about the, the Big Ten? And what do you think about the postseason in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I think they're the Big Ten favorite. I think they're head and shoulders above the other teams in the Big Ten. And that's no knock on some of the talent that, that's in the league, I think. You know, some of those teams are, are going to be a little bit younger, like Michigan State has been. Uh, but I don't think anybody in this conference is as deep. Maybe Purdue is right up there with size, uh, but they don't have it in abundance like Michigan State does this year. Um, in terms of the national landscape, I mean, I think back to the 2000 championship year uh, that, that Mateen Cleaves and Morris Peterson and that team, everybody remembers how great that team was, but so much of it was draw and, and luck with, I think Kenyon Martin went down with his injury that year, and Cincinnati was kind of the odds-on favorite at that point. And, you know, so much in this landscape can change between now and and the end of March. Um, I, I think Michigan State's got a Final Four talent. Uh, I think that anything short of that will be a major disappointment uh, for the fans, and I think anything short of a national title for Miles Bridges will be a major disappointment. But that said, um, I, I think getting there is going to be the key for this group. Uh, and I think they've got the ability and they've got the, the right mindset and the right kind of leadership between Bridges and Nairn uh, to get there and, and I think get Tom to the second title. Folks, uh, Michigan State basketball reporter Chris Solari. He writes for De- Detroit Free Press. You can follow him on Twitter. Please do. Chris Solari. Chris, thank you so much for a few minutes here. This was an honor. Michigan State basketball. It's going to be a great year, and we, we just really appreciate a few minutes giving us a, a preview. Hey, no problem. And let's get together when we uh, get up there at the Garden for the Big Ten Tournament a week early this year. 100%. Will do, man. Absolutely. Thanks so much. You got it, Mike.